0: Hello, you guys. Welcome back for another episode. I am so excited to bring you this one. This is another friend that I met through the Almost 30 podcast platform, uh, which has been really exciting. I met a lot of really incredible women through this. Um, So just remember that you create the communities that you live in. You are the only thing holding you back from connecting with more people that you are already connected to. So reach a handout, make a new friend. Super grateful to have connected with Natalie and to be able to bring you this episode. We talk about going through our experience more peacefully. We talk about sitting with our emotions. We talk about showing up genuinely, appreciating transitions, um, learning what your version of a higher power is or isn't, um, and how we can be guided in our experience by learning more about ourselves and how individual each of our experiences are going to be. So I love you guys. I hope that you enjoy this episode. I certainly did. And Natalie actually comes back in just a few weeks because we had so much fun. So enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week, I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. All right,
0: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. I am so excited today. I always like to tell you guys where I find my guests or where they find me because I think that we really, truly, and I've talked about this on 100 episodes already, but out of my 20, but (laughs) I really think that people think it's a lot harder to connect with strangers than it is. I think it's sometimes often even easier to connect with strangers than it is to people already in our lives because there's no baggage. There's no story. I have no preconceived notions about you other than my one 2 judgment of just your appearance. And like that's fine. You can make that one-two judgment. But like generally people will surprise you. And if you show up in a surprisingly friendly way, they generally will too. Um and so this is a stranger who reached out to me again through the Almost 30 podcast um secret Facebook group. I am so excited to have you here. Um will you tell our audience a little bit about yourself?
2: I am so excited to be joining you and just want to say I'm super grateful that you have invited me on to share a bit of my experience. This is awesome and exciting and also super duper nerve wracking. Um, So (laughs) in in a nutshell, um, my name is Natalie. I am a desire doula and relationship renegade. So really I help individuals delve into the interplay between self-exploration, God and romantic partnership to rediscover or discover for the first time themselves as a sexual being and to really create ignited conscious relationships. So I focus my coaching heavily on channeling higher power and desire as a guide into absolute truth so we can live that truth authentically and with confidence and conviction. And I really enjoy engaging in using our physical sensation and our body as a guide into that experience and that state of being. Um, And on a more personal note, uh, I do live up in Canada, so I'm a little ways away from you in physical proximity, but that's where I think these online connections are super amazing, because it's people we otherwise wouldn't get to connect with. And now we can create a meaningful community experience, which is so beautiful. Um, I live with my ginger kitty named Kristoff, who is 20 pounds and likes to make cameos on my social media, so that's why I mentioned that, <laughs> and um, <laughs> I have been walking a sober journey for just over six and a half years, um, along with having type 1 diabetes and relapsing-remitting multiple sclerosis.
0: Wow we did not talk about any of those things. <laughs> I feel like I only know like three of those things about you. Holy moly. Okay. <laughs> where do you even begin? Um wow, literally actually. Like where do you even begin? <laughs> I'm I'm so intrigued. That is so exciting. Um can we talk about what you do as a in what did you call it in like the first part of the first thing that you said, you said you are a desired jeweler, self exploration of God. Um, something about romantic relationships. I got to hear that part again. Yes. So
2: I am super passionate about supporting people in romantic partnerships. And for me, a lot of that comes back to, um, using desire. So we backtrack a little bit. We met in this online community. Um, we hear people talking a lot about, uh, feeling aligned and following the pull and all of these things and what I hear a lot is we talk about the sensation but we don't actually articulate what the sensation is and channel back into our body as a guide into that truth or alignment or whatever it might be and so a big part of what I do Uh, in my coaching is support individuals to really feel into truth as opposed to analyzing and thinking about it. And so that manifestation list or the list of traits of the partner you want to call in really becomes more about our personal values and um, how we show up for those in terms of following desire as a guide into that truth or that authentic experience, whatever it might be.
0: Dude, what? I why don't I even know this about you? Like this is, I'm so excited right now. Um, wow. Okay, so I just posted this week a couple of times about like affirmations and things like that. And I also posted about um really like feeling my sadness. Um I had a moment, I'm gonna share a story. I had a moment, I share some of this on, I think. The last episode that may or may not ever come out because it's missing right now but <laughs> to be determined damn it um but i had a moment this week with my boss and it was something that was completely my fault and she reprimanded me about it but it, but in like kind of a passive-aggressive way and i was really really freaking pissed off about it and i went i got to my desk and i was shaking and I was tense, and I was numb on parts of my body, and, like, I was seeing red and I was angry and I was blowing smoke out of my nose and I was so freaking pissed off. And I've been in this seminar. Um, it's a personal and professional development class. And so they have the first class and then they have a 10 week seminar spread out over the course of like four months. And so it's like every other or every third week um, I go in for the seminar. And so what we're doing right now is it's called experiencing the experiencing. And so whatever it is that you're feeling at any given moment, we're, we're doing like a practice where you are switching from one negative emotion to one positive emotion. And I hesitate to use the word negative and positive for emotions, what we like traditionally think as a negative or a positive emotion. Um, so happiness versus unhappiness and love versus um, wanting, uh, fulfillment versus unfulfillment or uh, invalidation. So... I got present to this moment of fucking anger and I also got present to how much of my anger was related to I'm angry at myself. I'm mad at you for being passive aggressive but it's my fault that you needed to attack me in this passive aggressive manner because I wasn't taking responsibility for my life and because I showed up late. Granted it was two minutes late and that's why I was as fucking pissed off as I was because it was literally two minutes late. I was so pissed. So there's more to the story, but basically, like, in a nutshell, I got present to where I was. I sent a very, very professional email where I also – where I, besides taking responsibility for the lateness and everything, I also claimed what was going on in my life and what created the lateness and that I hadn't shared with her because I felt like she wouldn't care. And so I also took responsibility for that. It's my fault for not sharing this with you, but I didn't think that you would care because that is the message that you've been clearly putting out is that you care more about our presence in the office than our emotional or mental presence in the office, which is exactly how I felt. And how I would say from my perspective, at least three of the other girls on my team felt, which, you know, who am I to speak for anybody else? But like, at least from my perspective, that's what it felt like. So I showed up authentically, but I was also very professional and I took responsibility for it. The point of the story, I got so present to this emotion. And then I was so proud of myself for like, showing up authentically but also still like creating the boundary and like you know sharing my side of the story um and doing it in like a professional way which was that was the hard part was like being professional and still taking responsibility in the moment like that was really hard <laughs> um but just feeling all of those emotions and realizing how much i didn't need to feel those emotions and also like how much of it was like in my control and so literally like we had a team meeting like 20 minutes after this thing happened, maybe an hour. And I was totally fine because I had like created the space for being fine. Like I had released the anger and the emotion. So just feeling into anything so so i posted about that like feeling into the feeling and then like the joy that came the next day because i wasn't harboring this like anger and resentment and hate and rage and sadness and fear and frustration and shame and guilt and all of the feelings that come with like being wrong being reprimanded having you know difficult relationships at work with your you know significant other with your friends whatever And then also I was posting about just like affirmations and how important it is to remind yourself like that you are what you aspire to be. Like speaking the future into the present now um, so, so many of the things that you've just said, like, just, like, lit me up and opened me up inside. And so I'm so excited. So what, what, where are you right now? Share with me your experience. <laughs> oh, boy. So, <laughs>
2: um, so the piece about what you shared that is really resonating is the part you mentioned about the positive and the negative emotional response and moving from, it sounds like, the negative into the positive. Actually, a couple of things come up from that. So... Um, <laughs> for me that really ties back into a lot of what I've learned through my journey with sobriety and mentors that I have um, worked with along that path and so thinking back to one experience in particular and I share this a lot but it was very impactful for me I remember standing outside of the library on campus I was in university at the time and calling my mentor and I was just a mess. I was crying. I was hysterical. I was all the things. And before I could even get words out, she jumped in and was saying, you know, it'll be okay. It'll get better. All those things. And my response was, well, that's the problem is when it gets better, the bad that has become neutral for me will feel exponentially worse. And so for me, talking about moving from negative to positive was not actually constructive. It put a lot more pressure on my journey. And on my emotional responses and how I navigated those. And also what I've come to learn is a lot of that language really does relate into my upbringing in the church, uh, in purity culture, where there is a lot of time um, that really harsh contrast between what we should or should not be doing, what's good and what's bad, what's permissible and what's not. And so moving forward, when I started my journey with an ex-mentor along that path, She introduced language that for me has helped so much. And that was to look at any emotion as being able to be experienced on a scale of how peaceful it is. And so now for me, it's really about, you know, if if anger comes up, what tools can I draw from to move through that anger, to feel it, to show up for it, to be present for it, and then to engage in the situation, whatever it might be in the most peaceful way possible. And so really moving through that in a way that channels my higher power, keeps me present, keeps me honest, and also brings with it um, what I feel like you touched on in the language I would put to it is that little humility present of being able to show up, for example, if we're talking situations that make me a little bit angry or, or sad or scared or whatever it might be, to show up in that situation and recognize, okay, well, This component is not mine. As much as I don't like this person's behavior, it's not in line with the values I would portray if I was in that role, all of those things. That's not mine to judge or to comment on or whatever. All I can really do is dial back into my actions, what I did or didn't do, what I'm bringing to the table moving forward and how I'll make an adjustment for that. Um, And so for me, that becomes like I mentioned about really just operating on a spectrum of how peaceful that emotion can feel and how peacefully I can move through it.
0: Whoa, okay. I love all of that language. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And I don't wanna go back and forth on on the program because I do that in another episode. <laughs> um, but that humility piece is really the part that I'm like trying to, trying to push for here is like taking some responsibility for your saying it because the way that we react is such a culmination of like our experiences Like, we show up for people the way that we think that they're showing up for us, kind of, and, like, I don't know. I have a lot to say on that, but I want to hear more about yours. (laughs) So,
2: something that was shared with me, and I really love this, because I think, and, like, you've kind of touched on with sharing what you've been working through, that moving into that space of humility and also caveat, especially, I think, important for us women Recognizing that taking responsibility for my part in a situation does not at all absolve the other person of taking responsibility for theirs. Um, It's not to say that I caused this thing or that I was the sole one that made this wrong or whatever it might be. For me, that language is really helpful in terms of just focusing on what I can change. And sometimes that might even be taking responsibility in the sense of really truly moving into a space where i realized that none of this was me and that's okay too but just getting to a point where i can sit with that and be okay with that part of my experience um and not saying okay as like we not saying okay as in like happy excited whatever it might not be an enthusiastic okay but just being able to be and acknowledge and know this wasn't me and and to kind of use that as a stepping stone for moving through that process. So I just wanna make that caveat because I think that's really important to acknowledge. It's not all about, oh, this is mine and I must fix it. No, no, it might be that taking responsibility is acknowledging the truth that this wasn't yours and being able to, in whatever way works for you, remain hands off from that. Um, The visual component to this that I loved is that someone shared with me, she would always joke that it was a little humility present wrapped up in a bow. And I was like, well, my bow's purple, because that's my favorite color. And so I needed to (laughs) find a way to make humility less humiliating, because that's not what it is meant to be, right? Humility for me is about, and this is where if we tie it back into relationships and higher power and all of this stuff that I get really excited about, and that I think you get excited about too, the relationship. I
0: get so excited. There we go. Is,
2: um... (laughs) is getting right-sized by my higher power, my God, source, universe, whatever that looks like to me. Being right-sized by that, aligning my will with that of my higher power. And so if we dial that back into physical sensations, um, it's really, the initial process for me would be knowing what it feels like in my body to live in truth. So once I have my personal values and I figure out my values and my morals and whatever that might be and the situations that generally I enjoy being in, whatever, um, I can use those to a guide as, okay, when I'm in that moment. So, you know, if I'm meeting a prospective romantic partner for the first time and I can't imagine, (laughs) and, um, Like, let me share my experience. When I met my current partner and he first came to visit me, so not the first time meeting, but the first time we spent one-on-one time together, I made eye contact with him and instantly the world went silent. And I felt my body just weight into the ground and this vibrating sensation in the pit of my stomach that was so comforting. And the first thought that came to mind was just, this is where I'm meant to be. And for me, that is experiencing truth, but experiencing my higher power um, in that moment and aligning my will with my higher power's will so that I can be fully present for this person, fully present for the experience, like we were talking about earlier, and um, use that as a guide and so in that moment i use that as a guide to step forward to open that door to invite that person in and to as i move forward be okay with sharing exactly how i was feeling or thinking or whatever it might be moment to moment there wasn't that apprehension of oh well is it too soon to say i love you is it too this because i know in getting right-sized by my higher power If I am feeling in this present moment that I love this person, that is absolutely my truth. And I never want to shy away from showing up for my God and for this person in my life and for myself. And so I'll say it. And if it changes in a week, so be it then. But for right now, I will stand in that truth and articulate it and allow myself to experience that connection.
0: Wow. Holy crap. So, so inspiring and empowering, honestly, because... I mean, first of all, I don't know if I've seen or heard this perspective elsewhere of like that your truth has any relationship with your higher God or your higher power. And like, I went to a Catholic college, but like wasn't fully invested. And like, I was raised Catholic, but like wasn't fully invested. Um, and I've seen like my friends who have gotten married in the Catholic Church and like, you know, or are, hardcore Christian or whatever, um, and, like, have gone through, like, what is it, pre-Cana? Pre-Cana, I think. Hold on. I mean, and I've read, like, the five love languages and stuff, and so, I, I got it how, like, God is in love. I, I got it a little bit, you know, obviously not all the way, but, like, a little bit. I have an understanding of it, but for the higher power to be in your truth that's what's different. That's what I haven't heard before. And that's what I'm really excited about because, like, I am all for standing in your truth and, like, speaking that truth and those boundaries and whatever they are and just, like, being present to whatever, like, your body's reaction is to something and, like, trusting that. I'm, I am I just say, like, you know, trusting your gut or your instincts or your intuition. Um, but I really love, like, your phrasing of this. It's, it's really powerful. And it's – I mean – that's my whole message, really, is, is that like we are really powerful and like we should. So, the edge of fear moment, the um, metaphor that I use is that you're standing on the edge of a cliff with your jetpack on, and your jetpack has all of your tools and your life experiences in it. And so, like, you, we're always just standing there, like, do I jump? Do I not jump? And like, I mean, your language literally tells that like you have the tools, you do, but we don't know how to like use them at all. So, like, it's a faulty (laughs) jetpack.
2: That's, like, my worst nightmare.
0: (laughs) I love it. Um, I think you that was telling me about um, the, the met, or the analogy that I use brought you back to ziplining. I am not a car. (laughs) Yes.
2: So, Okay. I just brought up so many things. Uh, yeah, a couple, a couple of years ago, my partner and I went up to Whistler. We go actually every year and we love it. And it's amazing. Um, What's Whistler? Now, Whistler is like a ski resort area, just a couple hours north of Vancouver. It's cool. where part of the Olympics were held when they were here. Um, and so I love going outside of winter when it's just mountains and hiking and beautiful and all that because I don't ski. So this time in particular, we decided to go zip lining and I was really, really excited leading up to it. And then I had one of those, the fuck am I doing kind of moments? Like why (laughs) am I doing this? Like thinking of all the things that could go horribly wrong. And I remember actually a friend at the gym at the time who works more in like construction related. I don't know exactly what, so don't quote me. That kind of stuff. (laughs) He says to me, You know those cables are designed to hold the weight of a car like minimum they can hold the weight of a car and my response was okay good well i'm not a car so legitimately i'm at the top of this thing looking over this i don't even know how many hundreds of feet drop to the ground with this cable going across you know to the other side right and holding on for dear life i was not one of those people who let go because i like to think that my grip strength could get me through if something went awry (laughs) and Just repeating to myself, I am not a car. I am not a car. I am not a car. And that is what got me to go. And it was honestly the most beautiful experience of my life. And I now want to go again. Um, But it was absolutely terrifying. And that was the little reminder that I needed. Um, And I feel like if we want to get all metaphorical and whatnot, it's kind of like we do. Okay. It's kind (laughs) of like when we were talking at the very beginning a bit about... Um, the emotions and moving from what I would say feels less peaceful to what feels more peaceful. Um, There you go. And moving through the experience that way. Absolutely. When I began my journey, it was like, okay, I'm being judgmental. I need to have acceptance. I'm being dishonest. Let's try radical honesty. If I'm, you know, being controlling once again, let's, let's just let go of the situation and throw it to the wind and, and off I go. And I needed that. I needed to know what it felt like to live in that complete opposite, reason being, so that I could begin to feel into the transition and so that sitting in that, if we want to use that more juxtaposed language, sitting in that more negative, less constructive feeling um, would begin to feel okay and it could feel peaceful to sit at that end of the spectrum as well. And so if I had a situation where I realized I was being super judgmental, I was, you know, um, being really manipulative, whatever it might have been, I could start to be okay to just sit with that for a day and not completely degrade myself for it and look at it more as, okay, this is why I had this reaction. This is what went on. It makes sense that I felt that way. And going forward, what can I do differently? And then I could start to gradually move to that more peaceful that acceptance whatever that was so i feel like that's almost like going from the way that i always describe it which i think relates to the zip lining or the jetpack or whatever it might be is mm-hmm. i describe it as being like a frog that jumps from one lily pad to the next and over time it acquires the tools to swim instead and take the leisurely path and that's really for me about feeling into the journey and the transition between those things and being able to sit with it longer and feel peaceful doing that. And so with the zip lining, okay, well, I jumped off the edge. Great. I still have to wait the like one to two minutes before I'm at the other side with my feet on the ground. So what can I do in the middle to make that legitimately my life suspended over a ravine feel more okay. (laughs) Um, And so I think that that really relates. It's that in between space is eventually what we become able to sit in and feel okay through. And also for me to appreciate, because I believe that the more I'm able to feel into that transition, the more genuinely I start to show up for what's on the other side. Um, And then the more frequently I can actually live in that truth that is on the other side. And I don't have to do the back and forth so often.
0: Totally, yeah, a quote that I love is, uh, accept everything the way that it is and the way that it isn't um, and love people the way that they are and the way that they aren't because if you don't you're just living in unreality like there's reality and there's unreality and if your thinking is coulda shoulda woulda like if I just do this more, things will be different. Like, no, you only have so much control, and so like you have to really like trust like the experience and, and just experience it. I really loved, <laughs> I really loved how you said, uh, in case this uh, my equipment fails me, like my grip strength. <laughs> I was dying at that actually. <laughs> It's why
2: I won't do the zip lining. That's just a rope. Because <laughs> like, I'm like, no, I could hold on for like 30 yeah. seconds if yeah. I had to. The landing would suck, but I could make it work. Um, that's so uh, funny. Um, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, so so I love this, and I am totally with it. Um So it's a little bit conceptual though. So can you give me maybe like an example of how like the ignited conscious relationship like coaching has like either impacted your life or any of your clients lives? Like I need to hear some stories like this is too good. Like I, I, and I'm like super into relationships right now. I was telling you that like Uh the universe has just begun pushing me into the dating world again. And so I'm like, you know, trying to feel out like my attachment style again and like what I'm interested in and like trusting my God and like trusting myself. And it's so crazy because I feel like in so many facets of my life right now, I'm like very, very know what I want and like driven in certain directions. And I'm also like very confident and independent in certain ways. And then in other ways, I'm like melted butter. (laughs) Don't know how to stand up. (laughs) So just like, what do you got for me? Help. (laughs) so turning to
2: the more practical side of it and i know also you mentioned a catholic upbringing i am also a recovering catholic and so (laughs) i I think
0: and
2: a point that i've really been exploring lately and that i'm really excited to be delving into is specifically how that purity culture upbringing impacts our ability to live in this truth and to step into these moments Um,
0: Whoa, huge Uh, twist. I was not expecting that at all. This is so interesting, the way that you were talking about higher power. Okay, cool. I'm with it. Sorry. (laughs) No, that's okay.
2: I love, I actually really love that. Um, (laughs) So absolutely, my relationship with a higher power now looks different than it might have when I was going to Catholic school and going to church and all those things. I also want to say that the God that is introduced in that environment is not wrong. For me it really is about how do i connect to a higher power in a way that serves me in the moment that i'm in and so if we want to get really practical just dialing back to even that point of things because it's like okay great let's live in our god self and live in our truth and move forward but if i don't even know how to connect with my higher power and what's on the other end of that connection at least for myself i it that got me to a point where i stopped and was terrified because i thought i was going to lose everything that i built up because that connection didn't feel real. And so I brought it down to a baseline of making a list. And I put pen to paper and I made a list of all the things my higher power was not. Because for me, that was easier than knowing what it was. And this is absolutely something that I suggest to the individuals who I work with if they're kind of moving through this similar part of their experience. And then once I made that list, I got out a thesaurus and I looked up the opposite And I made that list. And then as I would pray, as I would read, as I would meditate, whatever it was, each week or so, I would pick a different word off that list. And I would supplement the word God with a word from that list. And that is how I began to build up what felt to me like a more tangible, more meaningful connection. And now that being said, you know, you might question these things, like someone might question these things, they question the upbringing they had and, and think, okay, well, I've been taught really baseline, no sex before marriage. I was taught that. I internalized it. I went with it. And now they're at a point where they're thinking, well, I see all these other people having these conscious sexual relationships outside of marriage and they seem to be doing okay. So what's (laughs) going on? And we're kind of, But we're stuck in that in-between, and it's scary. And so I think it's amazing if we're at that point where we're starting to question this. And I also want to say that sometimes the questioning is really just to reaffirm the thing that we already were told or internalized is what we are meant to be showing up for. And so if the questioning and the introspection leads to no shifts, it really has led to a re-solidifying that we are showing up exactly how we are meant to in this world. And so there's nothing wrong with that. I also, I got a book here. I have my list. Sorry, I pulled out my my book to share with you my list. Thank you. happy. I was going to ask you for an example. (laughs) I have it right here. So um, my initial list included the words universe, unity, acceptance, surrender, love, and peace. And so those are the words that I would supplement for the word God where God felt uncomfortable or uncertain for me at that point in time. Now, I absolutely do use the word God because I have re-articulated what that means for me and how I live in that and it feels okay to use that. And it might not for someone else and there's nothing wrong with that either. Um, But it's really about, like I talked about at the beginning, like rediscovering and re-articulating this in a way that allows me to show up as my whole self and to check in with who that is along the way.
0: Oh, that is so powerful. Oh my God, Natalie, I'm like obsessed with all of this actually, because I feel like, um, you know, it's like totally acceptable right now to say like that the universe is everything, but that doesn't work for some people. And also like God does feel like I have this like negative story around what God is because I was raised in this community where I didn't agree with what was going on in the Catholic church. And I knew that early on, I can remember having to do my community service hours and my next door neighbor, who was my best friend at the time, her mom was like, Oh, for community service, you girls are going to do altar serving. And I was like, cool. It sounds great. And so I did fucking altar serving on Sunday mornings. Like, over for half of high school and like for the rest of it like not hungover but pissed like because i spent all day saturday at soccer and then work probably like i was a busy high school kid and like trying to like stay like socializing and stuff like i didn't want to fucking go to 7 45 mass in the morning wearing my stupid frock so it was just really annoying and then i remember being becoming conscious of what i was seeing in the news and what i was reading in the news about what the catholic church was doing and so i was like well none of this aligns. I didn't have this language yet at 15, but none of this aligns. I don't want to participate in this. And then I still want to a tabletop, so like, who's the, who's the, who's the goose. Um, <laughs> but so like to now I'm 30 and I feel like when I don't feel the presence of a higher power, it's so much easier for me to, feel that like life is empty and meaningless. And when I can relate to a higher power, when I make that part of my existence, whether it's through meditation, or prayer, or, you know, getting lost in creativity, whatever it is, like, however, I choose to connect to my higher power is really just it, it has to be there. It doesn't matter how it just has to be there for me. Um, and so to be able to, like, reinsert the word God back into your, like, vernacular is just really impressive and, like, cool. And, like, I don't know why this is so shocking to me because, like, I know that you can change your language and suddenly your life changes is literally the truth of it. Um, And so you created this relationship where it wasn't. Um, And so now to bring it really to the applicable for the relationship, this is what, can you tell this is what I want to (laughs) know? I love it. (laughs) So, okay,
2: in terms of integrating, are you talking specifically in terms of integrating higher power
0: into a romantic relationship? Like how, how having the higher power, how having the presence of your truth and your truth as love, surrender, acceptance, unity, peace, etc., in your relationship, like how that creates a more conscious relationship, I guess. Yeah, that's, Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely, like, how I mean to apply this. Like, help
2: me, please. <laughs> so I know we hear a lot of people talking about, before you can enter a romantic partnership, you have to have a good relationship with yourself, right? And so the way that I have started to understand that is how it ties back into this experience. And so it's about learning to navigate life as an individual based on that relationship and feeling into those things. And so, for example, if we're talking fear, knowing where in my body I feel the different types of fear. So the self-preservation fear, or is it the fear that's pulling me away from the thing that could actually be really fucking awesome. right? Right. So the fear before A first kiss in six months. And I remember mine quite vividly because I barrel rolled across the bed and blurted out, I haven't done this in six months and I'm really nervous and I don't know what's going to happen. So I get it. (laughs) I also, (laughs) in that moment, could use that fear as a guide into it and realizing, and I want to show up for this experience right now. So I think really it is practice makes progress and practicing on our own terms, in our more independent lives, can then help us know and recognize when it feels aligned, (laughs) and I mean feels, physically feels aligned, to show up for these different experiences in partnership. Um, And so it could be as simple as, it's a Saturday night, and my friends invited me out, and I'm having that mini existential crisis of Oh my goodness, but I really wanted to stay at home watching This Is Us and eat a pizza because I love that show. Um, (laughs) But on the flip side, I don't go out with my friends very often. I haven't seen them in a while. I really want to go. Whatever might come up. And being able to just sit and think, okay. And for me, this is kind of how that would go. If we're talking a bit more like practical process sort of thing. Yes, please
0: give me the specific. (laughs) Um, What happened? To sit
2: with it. And the one thing I would probably first think about is with that experience with my friends, is it for fun or is it for free? And so if it's a show that I was also really excited to go to, or it's my favorite restaurant or whatever, you know, something like that, if it's a thing I would otherwise always really want to do and my friends are going to be there, okay, my decision might weigh in that direction. If the baseline of my thought is simply just that, oh, I really want to see those friends, and then there's the, but that activity or that thing feels like a lot of work, it doesn't really feel like something I wanna do, maybe I don't really have the money to go out for a fancy dinner, whatever that might be, then I can sit with, okay, does seeing the friends outweigh that? Or is the friendship connection something I could create on a different day in a different way so that I can still have that engagement and I can take tonight to do the thing I'd originally planned on? For me, as I am, of boundaries, as I have recently been
0: dubbed by a couple of people in my social circle. I I appreciate that. I can respect it.
2: If I had already planned to sit on my couch and eat the pizza, I consider that time booked. I am not available. So it would have to take a lot for me to change that commitment to myself to then go and engage in this social situation. So I think that's kind of at the baseline of it. And then in that moment, what's a practical thing I might choose to do? So if I'm sitting with it and I have kind of that mental list of you know, what the pull is to do this thing or maybe what the deterrent is or whatever it might be, and I'm still feeling very conflicted because okay, great, I could plan another social engagement activity. Realistically though, looking at my schedule over the next couple of weeks, it's probably not gonna be that easy to see all of these people in one place at one time or they're all spread out or whatever it might be. Uh, what do I do, internal conflict? That is when for me, I like to pray and meditate. And so often what I'll do, and this is absolutely a practical exercise that I suggest to people that I work with. um, And it's something that I honestly do more often than not just to help ground before I move forward. Even if I am feeling that I know what the truth is and, and where it's sitting in my body and I feel good. It's just to really reaffirm that for myself at this point in case anything else comes up, I'm just inviting it in. So I'll, This is the one thing I still pull from because it helps me ground. I will get on my knees and say, you know, dear God, dear universe, dear creator, whatever you want to say, um, please help show me the truth of the next right step for me to take in this interaction. And I would meditate for five minutes and just let my mind go blank. So I'm not really looking to harness any specific thought. It's really about just letting it be. And then at the end of that, sometimes a very clear idea comes up. Or I'll put pen to paper and stream of consciousness journal and just let it come through. And so that's been a really powerful practical exercise for me. And now I am preemptively reading your mind in that. Okay, well, what if you don't have a relationship with your higher power or your creator or whatever at this point? Fact, that might not be the case. I do still see value in creating a container for that quiet space and opening up to whatever might eventually be more concretely on the other end of that conversation. And so I would say the worst thing that's gonna happen is nothing changes, but you've had five minutes of quiet time. So why not try it?
0: Okay, a lot, a lot there. That's awesome. Um, Going back to kind of what you said about when there's an event that you may or may not want to attend, but you've already booked yourself with the white space. Like that's real. That's super important. First of all, just like stating like that I already have a plan and it's important to me that I do this for me, for my well-being, for my sake. But then there's also this concept that by, and I know that this isn't what you said precisely. This is my interpretation and like my, you know, tying in my experience to this is like by giving it the space to sit for a minute this invitation and this thought and this consideration of do I want to do this or not and and so just like getting present with it and letting it sit and then meditating on it or praying on it or journaling on it whatever it is but like letting it be there with you before you make a hasty decision before you really like I mean, even without your tools, but like this for anybody, like if you're not ready to prey on it, like just sit with it for a few minutes, but actually clear your brain. Because if you think about it, if you overanalyze it, you're just going to come up with more answers that you already think about regularly. It has to be that clear space. You have to create that space for it. Um, But there's this concept that I've learned is like through creating boundaries is you can have it all exactly what you said, like of. I can still create a situation where this is possible or something like it is possible in the future because you've created the space for that. Like, And so this concept of having it all is like, you can have it all, but you have to define what having it all means. You can't do it all, but you can have it all if you have decided what that means to you. And so I so value that like alone time and that personal time. And so what's really like resonating with me about what you just shared is like when I was traveling, specifically last year, this year, because I stayed in the same home for three months, with the exception of like the first two weeks, the last week and like weekends in between, I was in the same home for the three months. And last year, when I was traveling, I was backpacking. So I was like, couch surfing and hostel hopping. And like, I stayed in one place for almost a month. But other than that, I was like bouncing around countries with only what I could carry on my back. And so there was no sense of you could maybe have a relationship that never like was a thought and like whilst maybe if i had met someone who changed my life and rocked my world like maybe it would have happened but it didn't so i had this very conscious upfront, in you know my forefront thinking there's no relationship so trust yourself which was so great and so incredible that i would sit with and make decisions based on how a how i felt like, just, just sitting with them and, like, clearing the space for them. And it's interesting how, A, coming back to the U.S., B, not dating for a little while. I was calling myself um, asexual for, like, I would say most of the spring and parts of the summer because I was, like, just in this, like, personal space where I was, like, exploring what it meant for me to be independent and, and how that was related to my, you know, like, my traumas and my relationship with my dad, and my relationship with men in general, and my relationship with authority figures, and my body, and stuff like that, and so it was, like, it was a very personal and confronting issue, but it was totally awesome the first three months of it, you know, where I was, like, oh, I just, like, have to, like, feel it out, and if it feels good, I do it, and if it doesn't, I don't, and then it was a lot harder, like, once I actually got to, like, the darkness of it, um, which was, like, oh, I actually hate all men and I'm in this really dark place and it's actually something that's going on with me. It's not about the men. Um, and so that was just really interesting. And it's just now to like hear it. Oh gosh. I'm like, so happy that we're having this conversation right now. I have a first date this afternoon. So I'm like, fuck. (laughs) That's so exciting. (laughs) it's, it's, It's exciting. It's like scary, but it's exciting. Um, and it's confusing and it's confronting. Um, but yeah, that it's so important to like maintain those boundaries, and I have those boundaries. Obviously, at work, I shared that story a little bit um, of like, well, please don't walk all over me. Like, don't send me a passive-aggressive "Is everything okay?" text when you see me walking through the parking lot. That's what I was pissed about before that I didn't share. I was so pissed. I was like, it's two minutes, lady. Like, also, I like. Uh. I'm obviously have completely let it go and it is relinquished of its power. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's a struggle, but it's, it's real. And I'm, I'm addressing it and I'm working on it. I'm, I'm not even like processing it and I'm thinking about it. I'm taking action towards it every day, being better, being more me, more authentically me and having acceptance and love. But it's fucking hard. It's not just meditate and everything's great. It's not that. It's find peace and there is still struggle, but there's a hell of a lot more peace. And like trusting yourself is what an amazing feeling.
2: Absolutely. And I think that in time, at least in my experience, those difficult or confronting or whatever it might be situations can become more constructive and they themselves can become more peaceful as we move forward and you know fear or conflict or whatever it might be it can be welcomed in that sense um and we can really just like you said like just show up and be present for that experience as it comes no judgment no analysis just acceptance and then move forward doing the best i can with what i have to be of service and show
0: up in that situation so beautiful um so can you just share with us we're gonna wrap it up here like probably after the story, but uh, if you have, like, any, like, final kind of thoughts on, like, how this has, like, been directly impactful in your relationship, in your romantic partnership that you have been in for however long now. So, it's coming up to four years. And okay, awesome. Oh, so he's a- been through all of this with you, like, all of the, well, just, no, you were already on the journey. You were two years into the journey. Um, yeah, so when him when he he and I
2: (laughs) started dating, Um, I was sober. He was the first partnership uh, that I entered after getting sober. So a lot of this was stuff I'd been working on, but it was definitely new. Like that was my new experience dating as someone sober and working to have these conscious relationships and realizing that God and sex could interplay and be connected. And actually when I show up for sex and I'm in contact with my higher power, it's like the most beautiful, incredible experience I've ever had. And so that was all new and exciting and fresh and scary because it was brand new. And so absolutely, he has been along for that ride the whole time. (laughs) Um,
1: So we're about four years in,
2: um, long distance relationship. So over the, it's close proximity, but over the US border. I'm up in Canada, he's in the States. So that adds a bit of complexity. Um, And also since I think you touched very briefly on realizing your attachment style, I will add just for context for anyone listening that I took the test again once entering this partnership, and I read as anxious, or I read as anxious at the beginning of the partnership. I would say that he's more on the kind of, uh, what's the, not avoidant, but. Uh, secure? Yeah, secure. Secure with some avoidant tendencies. Thank you. My mind went blank. Mm-hmm. Um So, if we want to talk from that perspective and reading that book, that's like a combination that doesn't really work. And so (laughs) a big thing about it for me was using these tools that I've been mentioning, going back to that list, going to the prayer and meditation activity, taking those things away. Like if we had, I remember really early on, there was a night where we were messaging back and forth and he wasn't responding. And I got into all the stories and all the crazies in my head, thinking about what was going on and why this would work and all these things. I remember people asking me, well, how is that gonna work long-term? How is that gonna be a thing? And also, I'll add, he's five years younger, so they're like, how is that gonna work long-term? Um, you know, <laughs> so much younger than you. And I really had to sit with that and then also realize that my response was very much that, well, in this present moment, this is fulfilling what I need and, and this, is what, this is what works. And I wanna be here today and I love him today. And so here we are four years later. Um, And so going back to that initial conflict we had, so I want to touch on a little bit, you know, it goes from, okay, anxious attachment style helps to explain perhaps why in that situation, I reacted with that internal dialogue of chaos of all the things and the fear and the whatever. And I can also take that as a cue to then see what I can do differently and how I can react and what I can do to create peace for myself moving forward. And so This is actually something I love to talk about as well. This might be a topic for another day to dive into in more complexity. Um, But that's, you know, looking to a mentor who's outside of that situation, an impartial third party where I can bring that narrative to where it is safe and secure and I can just get it out because sometimes talking quietly with my higher power is not enough. I need to word vomit. And so having a safe place to bring that has been really, really important. And then from there, I did a bit of reflecting and I did that meditative practice to see, okay, what really was the baseline of what I needed and wasn't getting in that moment? And for me, it came back to needing time where I knew we were committed to being present for each other. And so that led to us scheduling a one hour a week call on a specific day. We would text in between and we would talk in between, but that was our day and time where we 100% were there showing up for each other, no distractions. And that helped fulfill what I needed and what I was scared I wasn't getting in that initial interaction that had brought up some of those feelings. Um, and so as I've moved forward, it really has come back to a lot of those same practices. I still use them if things are feeling a little rocky or we're going through things. Cause you know, conflict happens in a relationship. It's not all lollipops and rainbows, unfortunately. <laughs> and so I will still take the time to ask that question and pose it to the universe and get clear and I'll articulate when I'm processing those things and just say, Hey, just so you know, we had this conversation. This is what it's brought up for me. These are the tools I'm using to work through that if, and when I'm ready to talk about it and you're open to it, I'll let you know. Done. And that has really helped, I think, for both of us to be able to just remain present for the relationship as it goes. And in that sense, I am able to enter this partnership with my whole self, knowing that I have given everything of me in a way that feels grounded and aligned and true to my personal values.
0: Oh, I wish we could just talk for another hour seriously. I, I can't wait to have you back already. I mean, I haven't even said goodbye and I'm already missing you. <laughs> um, there's so many things that just like touched me with what you just said. I mean, just even like the small thing of like you said um you know, when you're in like that internal dialogue and everything is in chaos and you ha- have to ask yourself, what can I do differently to create peace for myself? That is what is all about people like. You don't have to show up to be the fixer of all the things in the relationship. You just have to create peace for yourself. That's so powerful, literally just that peace. Um, and just like the humility with which you continue to uh, you know, appreciate that conflict still happens and that you're showing up in a way that is very authentic, very true to yourself Saying I might not want to talk about this ever but I am telling you about it that I'm processing it right now. Probably I will because I'm creating the space like and so it's just so great to have that like safe space like within yourself with your higher power and with your partner. And I think like the most beautiful thing about it, which we literally didn't talk about at all. And so like you, we have to like have you back like next week. Like, can we literally like schedule this? Yes. For, like, <laughs> <minutes? Okay. laughs> I usually like wait to ask people, but I'm like, no, there's too much. <laughs> um, but I think what like makes it the most profound is there's no mask of unconsciousness behind drugs and alcohol because you're sober. I mean, there's nothing to, to hide behind. So I can imagine that being the most scary. Something that you said before that really like struck me was when you said that, um, when I asked if he's been here the whole time, oh no, he hasn't. And you're like, no, he has. <laughs> um, and like having the presence of God, like in your relationship and like with like sex, you said like, that was super powerful. Cause you were like, it's the scariest. And I just think about like the first time you have naked sex with somebody like totally sober. Like I like die a little bit at that thought. And so like, you are so brave. Like it's, it's scary to, when you've been masking with drugs and alcohol for a long time, it's so horrifically scary to confront that and to face it and you get through it. And I mean, I do like months of sobriety. I'll like challenge myself for like a month here and there. And I started it in college when I thought that I was like, going down a path to, um, like addictive tendencies, mostly to weed, but like other things sometimes. And I would just do like, okay, I'm not going to smoke weed for five days and then I'll smoke this weekend. And then I won't smoke for 10 days and then I'll smoke that weekend. And I won't smoke for three weeks and then I'll smoke that weekend. Um, and I would get up to like six months. Um, and then when I was in Kuwait, I also was like, mostly sober for the time that I was there for the army. So it was, um, you know, it's something that I see in myself that I have to really face that social anxiety, um, for a couple of weeks, and then it goes away completely. (laughs) And then you're like comfortable with who you are. Um, so I really, really, really want to delve into this the next time. Um, but my alarm is going off for the fourth time now. (laughs) Um, so if you have any final thoughts. I love it all. That's yeah. (laughs) I think we've covered so much and I have enjoyed everything that came up. So I will definitely be in touch with you and we'll we'll talk and we'll get this scheduled for the next time. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. Um, for all of your expertise, for all of your wisdom. I'm so excited to have this like on my heart now and in my brain and like feel so like free and lifted by this. Um, and thank you, Times Infinity, for being here. I can't wait to have you back. Where can everybody find you?
2: Thank you so much, this was amazing. Um, I think the easiest place really is to just find me on Instagram at I am Natalie Christina with a K and that's where I have links to my community of desire newsletter my YouTube channel, which with your inspiration is going to be becoming a podcast in the new year. So stay tuned and I will send (laughs) you the update for that. Um, And also to my Facebook. So I absolutely invite anyone who's feeling the pull to just connect with me personally on Facebook. I'm always open to growing that community uh, with intention. So anyone who's feeling the draw, absolutely would love to welcome you in Um, and shoot me a friend request and off we go.
0: I love it. And that will all be in the show notes, you guys. So check it out. Rate and review this episode. Um, go follow Natalie on Instagram, friend or on Facebook. If you're not already following me on Instagram, at Liz Without a Pillow. Um, and we will see you very soon. I love you all.
1: Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz Without a Pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app, share it to your Instagram story and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.